0: Can have a seat. I just know sometimes, man, we just get into church mode and we're just like, man, let's go from one thing to the next. But I know there are real things that some of y'all are facing right now and you're overwhelmed. And man, we are a family. We want to walk alongside you. We want to be with you in that. And ultimately, we want to live out love. And that's what this series is all about. We're in a new series. If you missed our last series on... Uh, God, me, or the enemy, how to discern the the, the voice of the Lord over my own, over the enemy's, how to to overcome the enemy's voice. Uh, We spent three weeks there. We probably could have spent three more weeks there. I get it. Um, But really, as we head into uh, this season of Thanksgiving, you know, that's coming up and Christmas and all that, um, I really wanted to refocus us a little bit on something that's familiar. I know, like the greatest commandment, but I really want us to hone into something and talk really what it looks like for us uh, as a college ministry, for you as a follower of Jesus to live out the greatest commandment. And, and, and I, I, when Jesus was here on earth, he said, A, that we are to be his disciples, his apprentices. And he says, to follow me. And he calls us into this. And he says, this is how the world will know that you're a Christian. This is how they'll know that you are my apprentice because you go to First Baptist. No, no because you grew up in a Christian home, because you grew up Catholic, because you're a good person. In John 13, 35, he says, this is how the world will know you're my disciples, by the love you have for each other. And I want us so bad. I want that of my life. I want that for you, that we would be a ministry and a church characterized by this. Not that we have to tell everyone how loving we are, but they're like, "Man, man, the people at the bridge are legit. Like, on our campus they love well they love one another well they love us they love their community i want us to be characterized by that now now as i get into that i I do have to ask anybody a struggle with loving some people in your life you know you got some people that are that are a struggle right like i've got those people and i tend to be selfish uh it's my default mode and, and there's been a lot of seasons of ups and downs where I'm like, man, I got to like snap out of just my world. I've got to be about other people. I need to serve. And there's so many of you here, by the way, that are such amazing servants. Um, so some of y'all, I, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir, but there's been some times in my life where I'm like, man, I'm struggling with this. And I really need to snap out of my thing and like serve somebody. And I'll never forget, y'all. This was like 10 years ago. My wife and I are living in Athens. Do You remember this? Okay, here we go. We're living in Athens, y'all. Middle of summer. I'm talking July 15th, 300 degrees. Uh, it was hot. And we were kind of, we were in the same thing as a church. We were talking about like serving our city and like being about other people. And I was like, man, I really got to do this. And I remember that morning. I was like praying, Lord, help me like be about other people. Help me like, you know, serve and, and be like you. And I'm driving, we lived about 15 minutes outside of town and we lived on this little country road, but it was like 75 miles an hour, like into town. Kind of like, like if you lived on 79 or like off the of 281, like, like little country road, but still fast, right? And, and I was trying to get to church that morning because I was late for a meeting. And as I, I pray that prayer and I'm driving, of course, what happens? See an old lady broke down the side of the road, y'all. And I'm like, Here's my opportunity. I guess I prayed that. And I guess the Lord's like, I'll answer that right away. Here we go. And I see this car on the side of the road. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to pull up. And so I pull up behind her. And she's kind of like halfway in the road at 75, which is a little dangerous. Just as a side note, if you like break down, like get off the road, people. Like that's dangerous. Don't be up on the road. So so I hop in her car and I'm going to like reposition her car and get out of the street, y'all. And I back up into my car. And I'm like, and she's just kind of like, oh. And so I get out. I'm checking the damage. I'm like, I'm so sorry. So then I have to, like, move my car, and then I back her up, and I back her into this, like, there's a little, like, gravelly, like, driveway right pretty close. And I I back her up on that. It's already, like, I feel the heat coming off the ground. I'm like, all right, let's do this NASCAR style. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to knock this tire out. So I get all her stuff out. And I'm like jacking the car up. And then I realize like, oh, I forgot to loosen the lug nuts. By the way, you're going to loosen the lug nuts, then jack the car. I had to like bring the car back down. Then I'm like trying to get the lug nuts. And you have to, I mean, really, have any of y'all changed the tire? You know what I'm talking about. It, so I'm going for it. I, I get the lug nuts off. I pop the little donut back on there. I put the like The old tire like in her trunk and like get it all buttoned up. And I'm like, you're welcome, right? No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But I'm like, there you go. I hope you have a great day. I'm like super late for a meeting. I work at a church, by the way, if you ever want to come, you know. Um, And I bail out of there, y'all. And I'm like dripping sweat. And I come into this meeting. I'm already late. I'm all sweaty. And this isn't just like a normal meeting, all right? This is like a planning meeting two hours long, but now an hour and a half because I'm 30 minutes late. So we have this whole long meeting and I'm in it and I'm, you know, and at this point it's almost lunch. And so finally the meeting ends and I, uh, I come out the door of the meeting and like, I'm like, what's in my pocket? I'm like, man, what is that? Guys, I kid you not, I pull out that lady's keys <laughs> in my pocket. The whole time. You see, when I had backed her car up, I put the keys in my pocket, did all the stuff, waved her adieu, headed out, right? Like, went to this meeting. I'm there for an hour and a half. This lady is still stuck on the side of the road. I freak out. I'm like, oh, my gosh. What am I going to do? So I, I hop in my car. I roll back there. Guess what? She's still there. So bad. So bad. She's got the windows rolled down and the seat, like, back, and she's just, like, laying back, and I I pull up. I'm like, ooh, and she's like, I was hoping you'd come back. And I'm like, oh, man, I mean, I saw you waving at me as I left. I thought you were just saying I did a great job. Um, So I I give her her keys. I'm like, I'm really, really sorry. I'm really trying to be a better person. I'm trying to, like, love people. You don't have to come to our church anymore. I apologize, right? Like, Like, I'm just... I'm just bummed, and sometimes it goes wrong. Now, that did happen, true story, my wife can attest to this. Sometimes I mess things up. But doesn't mean that I'm like done helping people. I, I wanna help people, but I'm not great at it. And most of the time, I'm just stuck in kind of my world, and I gotta gotta snap out of that. And I think for a lot of us, there are moments where we're like in it to win it, we're here to serve, but it's easy for us to compartmentalize, well, this is the time that I do that, and then other times it's me time, and I gotta do this. And I feel like the Lord really wants to use this text tonight to help us think differently about what it looks like to love people, how to get out of selfishness, and and really how to be like Jesus. And so w- there's this story in the scripture where this lawyer's talking to, talking to Jesus and he's a lawyer. Now that's not like Matlock or, well, I don't know what lawyers are for y'all's world. Matlock's like super old, I don't know. It's not like a lawyer lawyer. None of y'all know who Matlock is, do you? What's like a normal, okay, what's like a lawyer? Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's like what my grandma watched. I mean, that's like 1965 reference, wow. Um. It's not like a normal lawyer, it's like a religious lawyer, someone who knew the law of the Bible, a religious person, and, and he wants to like compartmentalize, okay, God, I know these laws, but like, specifically, what does that entail? And what does that mean? And I think for a lot of us, this would be a helpful conversation for us as well. What does it look like for us, not to just like love people, but what is God really asking of us? So if you've got a Bible, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 10. And kind of, y'all were like kind of there. It was like half committed. It's okay. It's middle of the semester, but that's great. Luke 10. I want to look at this this conversation. Some of y'all know this story. I want to move through it quickly because I think there's just a few things I want to point out tonight for us as we head into a season of really thinking about living for others being selfless, but not leaving people stranded on the, car, on the side of the road, right? Uh, let's read this together. So this, this is a conversation between a lawyer and Jesus. By the way, I kind of feel like it's like a lawyer. You know, it's like a, a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan walk into a bar. This is, this is the story. That's not what happened. Okay, let's read it. A lawyer stood up and he wanted to put Jesus to the test, which means he didn't really care what Jesus had to say. He's not there to learn. He's not actually interested to grow and learn. He's just trying to test Jesus. Jesus sees right through this and knows. But here's what he asks him. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to them, or said to him, well, what is written in the law? You're a lawyer. You know the law. What, how do you read it? I love it, by the way, when Jesus answers a question with a question. That's when you know you're about to get schooled. That's like the best move ever. Like, you ask me a question, well, uh, you know, like, are we supposed to pay taxes to Caesar or to the Lord? And he's like, well, whose inscription? It's always good. So yeah, he's gonna do that again, ninja style. He's gonna say, hey, well, how do you read it? Like, what what does the law say? And here's what the, the man replies, verse 27. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your strength with all of your mind, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you've answered right. You've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he desiring to justify himself, like this is what we do. Like, what do you exactly mean by this God? Like, what, what specifically are we talking about here? Same thing. He's like, who then is my neighbor? And this is where Jesus tells a very famous story. Many of you know it. We get the term Good Samaritan from it because he talks about this Samaritan. But here's the story uh, that many of y'all know. There was a, he tells the story of a guy going from Jerusalem down to Jericho and uh, comes upon some robbers who strip him and beat him and depart and they leave him for dead on the side of the road. In verse 31, now by chance a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, He passed by on the other side. I mean, of course we would think the priest would stop. Nope. Then likewise, a Levite, who, by the way, was also part of the temple, part of the church. The Levites were priests. So surely this priest is gonna stop. And it says when the Levite had come to the place and saw him, he also passed by on the other side, literally avoids him, like walks around him. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Set him on his own animal, aka put him on the horse and walked the rest of the way. Um, Went to quite the extent. The next day he took two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. And here's the Second question Jesus asks him. So which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And obviously, verse 37, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, then you go and do likewise. We are called to be a neighbor. We are called to be like that But let's talk about that for a minute, because right at the beginning, he's asking about eternal life. What do I have to do to to get to heaven? And and Jesus, I would think right here, would be like, uh, impossible. You can't do nothing. And that really is true. You you want want the law to justify you? Uh, you, You're not going to make it. I thought Jesus would go there. But he allows him to say, yeah, no, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is like, yeah, do that perfectly. By the way, I'm missing the point that you can't. But that the greatest commandment really is that. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. Jesus is asked by another lawyer, what's the greatest commandment? What does he say? Y'all know this one. It's, it's kind of quoted here. To love the Lord your God. This is Jesus talking. Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he doesn't give a question back. He directly answers it. Uh, The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is always gonna say, hey, you do not separate these two. You don't tell me like, man, I love God, but I just hate all the people. Like you can't live out a love for God without it being connected to how we treat people and that's what he is getting at. So specifically with love, I wanna quickly talk about what we're talking about. Obviously, we have one word for love, but we mean a lot of different things, y'all know this. I love me some mint chocolate chip ice cream from Brahms. Anybody else? Yeah, I'm a mint chocolate chip guy. Uh, no one else in my family is, which is great, because then I buy it and I know they are gonna eat it. It's wonderful. Uh, I love mint chocolate chip, man, I love my truck. I love the Astros, even though they lost. Coming back next year, thank you very much. It's okay, it's okay. I love the Rangers too. And apparently, they might be getting the show. I don't know, we'll see. Um, But I love my wife and I love my dog and I love my kids. You're like, wait, like these are not the same category, right? And we know that in the Greek, there are multiple words for love. I wish the English had multiple words because we just say love. And so real quick, I'm not gonna assume that you know what Jesus is talking about when he says to love the Lord. But the love that he is speaking about is the Greek agape, which literally means to sacrificially committed love. It's all, it's all you got. It's the highest level of love. And right here, in Jesus' story, he says this Samaritan, Solomon, had compassion. We look at the greatest commandment, it says to love the Lord with your heart. So first off, the love we're talking about is an attitude. It is a feeling. You're like, love's not a feeling. It's a verse. No, love is a feeling. It is an emotion. It is an attitude. He saw him and he had compassion. How do I know that? How do I know that love is partially an emotion? Because even in Isaiah, Israel was rebuked by God because he said, your hearts, uh, I'm sorry, your lips draw near to me. You draw near to me with your lips, with your lip service, but your hearts are far from me. It's a reference to, like, you have no desire for me. You don't have affection for me. So, yes, love is an attitude. And as we love other people, it's this humble attitude. Right here, we see great pity, great affection for someone. But it's love that is an attitude that leads to action. In 1 Corinthians 13, we know this, but I want to bring this up because I'm going to reference it a couple more times. Paul describes what love is. Some of y'all know this. Uh, Love is patient. Love is kind. These are um, actions and postures. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. Love Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. It's this attitude that is just genuinely for the other person. I'm going to get to that in a minute because I love that it's more than just a feeling. C.S. Lewis, he, uh, he I'm going to do a couple quotes from him. He says this, love is not just an affectionate feeling. It is a steady or consistent love, or I'm sorry, it's a steady wish for the loved person's ultimate Good. I'll say it again. Love is not an affectionate feeling, but a steady wish for the loved person's ultimate good as far as it can be obtained. It's this feeling, but it leads to some other things. And the way that I will uh, just define loving people and the way that Jesus talked about it tonight is to love someone is to be genuinely invested in their good. Think about it. For me to really love you, is not love is not just like I don't hate you, so I guess we're cool. Love is that I'm genuinely with all my heart for you, which is why love celebrates the other person, why love is not arrogant or self-seeking, it's, it's about you. Genuine love is for you. Love is an attitude that compels action and it's what Jesus did for us. So if I can go all the way to the root where God is not just loving, God is love. Well, how does he model his love? It says that God loved you and I. He was so for you. He wanted life for you so much so that he sent his only son. He sacrificed his son who lived a perfect life, who actually lived the law because you and I can't live the law, Mr. Lawyer. Like, you can't live it. You don't attain heaven. But Jesus came because he so wanted you in heaven. He so wanted you with him. He so loved you and was so for you that he died himself, this is the gospel, gave his own blood, his perfect blood for you and I so that we might have life. He was the first to model it. The only reason you would love God tonight is because God first loved you. And so he models this overwhelming, genuine investment into your good, which was his own son, which cost him dearly. And he says, this, this is the love I'm calling you to, to the neighbor, and it compels action. In fact, Jesus says, if you want to follow me, take up your cross, take up your cross daily daily, and follow me. There are days where I feel like I'm self-sacrificed. It's not about me and I'm doing pretty good and I'm loving other people and there are days where I am not. He says daily. You see, real love is self-crucifying. Real love in this story is inconvenient. This guy stops his day, stops what he's doing, pays money, gives him his horse, gives him the wine and the oil, cleanses him and cares for him. Very inconvenient. Very inconvenient. You know what's interesting about 1 Corinthians 13? It says love is patient. Isn't that weird that that's the first descriptor? Dallas Willard says this, hurry and love are incompatible. Love and hurry are incompatible. Love is patient. You cannot hurry up and love someone. It doesn't work. And in fact, I think the reason that the Levite and the priest didn't stop is because they were in a hurry. I gotta go teach someone how to love people. I'm in a hurry, right? You cannot love, you cannot be this in a hurry. So the opposite of love, it's apathy, man. It's, It's getting on the other side of the road, not caring that other people around me are hurting. Other people don't know God like I know him. Other people are struggling. Man, that's their problem. That's the opposite of love. Opposite of love is not hate. It's apathy. It's not caring. And then Jesus says to him, if you will do this, you'll live. And this is what I want to invite us into tonight. You see, the most life-giving thing you can do is to give your life for the good of others. The most Jesus-like thing you can do, the most life-giving thing you can do is to give your life for the good of others. Now, I'm assuming in that, by the way, first and foremost, that the most life-giving thing thing you can do is be connected to the life-giver. I do want to say that as the caveat. The first thing is that you need God in your life. He is the one who gives life. The thief comes, we talked about this last week, to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give life. So first, I will say, is to be connected in relationship to Jesus who loves you and is for you. And then out of that relationship, I am free to love other people the way Jesus loves me. I'm free to live that out. I don't have to prove myself. I don't have to earn heaven. I don't have to earn these things. I'm not living out of earning. I'm living out of grace. And it's grace that enables you to love your neighbor. Not what earns heaven. One more Dallas Willow quote because I'm a big fan. We are saved by grace through faith alone, right? We, we, we know that, especially as Baptists, we talk about that a lot. And grace is opposed to earning. You can't earn grace, it's a gift. But grace is not opposed to effort. And I think we gotta know that. Grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. But it's out of receiving that gift that I have the ability now to sh- put forth effort because love is an attitude that compels action. James 2, 14 through 16. What good is it, my brothers, if you say you have faith and no works, can that faith save you? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, here it is, lacking in daily food. And one of you says, go pe- go in peace, be warm. Man, I hope you get a blanket. But doesn't give them what they need, what good is it? Or what about this one? This one cuts like to the heart for me. 1 John three sixteen through 18. By this we know love that he laid down his life for me. Remember, love is sacrificial. This is how I know love. Jesus, he laid down his life for me and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees a brother in need and yet closes his heart, is apathetic, crosses on the other side of the road, how can God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. To follow Jesus and to love well is going to compel you to actually do something. Just because the priests and Levites were religious, just because they had the respect of their community, just because they claimed to be Christians, doesn't show ultimately that they love their neighbor. I think it's interesting. This lawyer didn't need more information he didn't need to be like explain how to love he didn't need information he just needed to do it jesus says go and do likewise i was leaving to come up here and my my girl's house is a mess my wife's leading worship so she was here early right and i'm like hey go clean your rooms before i get home like i need you to do that my daughters did not go upstairs get together and have a study on how to clean their room. Hey man, let's really talk through this. How do you actually deep clean a sink? Uh, how do we get that bathroom cleaned? Let's, let's have a study. In fact, let's call our friends. Let's get some people over here and let's just talk about it. But guys, this is, this is what we do. And, and I, I'm telling you, I'm like convicted because I have to get up here and preach this. And I'm like, am I living this? Or am I just like coasting in the fact that, well, I'm a pastor. So, of course, I love my neighbor, or do I? And, man, I don't know where I'm at in this. I feel like so many times we just, like, we need the information. We, let's do a Bible study about it. It's like, no, no, just, like, the green light has been given. Like, be that on your campus. Love the people around you. Love your family. Be for them. Be for the coworkers that you're with. We, don't, we know how to do this intrinsically. You just... You live in a way that is for them. So what do we do? If we're having difficulty loving people, if we're kind of stuck in a selfish kind of like spin cycle, how do I like snap out of that? If, especially if love's a feeling. How do I like will a feeling? Like just be more loving. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really work, right? But we're commanded to this. So what do we do? I want to give you three quick things. And I'm going to ask the band to come back up in closing I hope that this is really practical for you tonight, for some of us that are struggling with selfishness, struggling to serve others, needing to snap out of our own world. I would say number one, connecting back to the love of God. We we can't give what we don't have. Like some of you, you just need to draw near and abide again in Jesus and recognize that you've been loved first. This is how we know love. You need to draw from that well. And maybe some of you in here, like, you've never realized that you were loved by God, not based on who you are and your performance and what you've done, but on who God is. He is a God who just chooses you and loves you and wants you and calls you into this. But number two, practically, um, there are some disciplines that will help you snap out of selfishness. We don't do disciplines, again, to earn something. We have effort to train ourselves towards the things of Jesus, so, like, for me, when I'm in these modes of, like, selfishness, number one is, like, I need to go serve somewhere. I need to just go serve some people. And I'll tell you, too, a gift of, like, having that in secret, not telling everyone about it, is really helpful. Like, I'm going to go do something. I'm not telling everyone what I'm doing. I just, I need this for my soul. I need to, I need to like, snap out of it. Uh, a couple weeks ago, um, I, I went to Walmart. And uh, originally, I was like gonna pick up like a pickup order. I was like, you know what? I've got time. I'm just gonna like help these cart dudes out. I didn't tell everyone and like do a selfie. Look at me with the carts. I just like, I gotta snap out of myself and just serve for for the sake of the Lord. And I just started putting carts up, just helping. Like, they're all over the place, right? Like, just everywhere, especially at the Lawrence Road one. That one's tough. Uh, that's the one we chose. So I just put carts up, guy comes out to get some. I'm like, Hey man, I'll, you want me to bring these up? I just brought them up and he's just like, I guess like, you know, like, I'm like I got you, man. And I just like went to Walmart and put carts up for it for a little bit. And I needed that for my soul. There's been other things. It doesn't matter. But like for you, maybe like something that would help you is just to, to take a step, just to do something. Some of you you need to see the hurt around you, the people on your campuses and encourage people and pray for them and build them up and be about somebody else, just like we did before I even spoke. There's people hurting in this room. Fasting helps as a discipline to snapping out of selfishness. It it will help you to crucify self. But I love this. C.S. Lewis, final quote. Man, this is a good one. I I think we have this one on the screen. He said this, Hey, don't waste time bothering with whether you love your neighbor or not. Just act as though you do. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love them. Jesus knew the secret. He said, pray for your enemies. When we start praying authentically for our enemies, we begin to love them and be for them. It's a crazy thing. And that's the thing that would characterize us as very different from this world. Don't fool around like, well, I don't know if I love them or not. I don't just act as though you do. I think that's a very wise thing. So in closing tonight with the idea that love is to be genuinely invested in someone's good, let's, let's flip that back real quick on the great commandment. We're to love God. So to love God then is to genuinely be invested in his ultimate good. It's to live my life for his glory, is to love God. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. So I wanna get to that one too. The most life-giving thing you can do is spend your life for the glory of God. And here it is, the most God-glorifying thing you can do is to spend your life in the good of others. Because Jesus doesn't separate it. Like, like, the way we love God is by loving people. We live it out. Think about what the Ten Commandments are. They're all about a relationship with God. The last six, a relationship with humans. The fruit of the Spirit, that's all about relationship to us. It's like patient, kind, goodness. Like, is that to God? No, that's to, that's to people. This is the fruit of my faith. And so in closing, I feel like a lot of times we are good at like, i confess a sin. I'll confess some moral thing I'm struggling with. I confess, I don't know, what you need to confess tonight. But I was thinking like, if the greatest commandment is to love the Lord with all of my heart, maybe some of us tonight, we need to confess that sin, that I, I don't love you with all my heart. I don't, I don't love you like I should and I want to. Maybe one of the best prayers you could pray tonight that would be authentic and real to your heart is like, God, I want to want you. I want to love you like this. Or I love you, God, but man, people are killing me. And I have no love for some people. And God, I need you to shift that in my heart. I need to feel compassion for the people around me. I need to snap out of my world you don't love God, then act as though you do. Seek him. Pursue him. Don't wait till you feel it. Just pursue it. And it's amazing how God stirs us as we draw near to him. You don't love people. Act as though you do. Look for the people that are on the sides of the road of your life. And serve them. And see how that brings life and joy as God designed it to be. Tonight. We just need to fall in love with Jesus some more. We need him to give us his eyes to see the world the way he does. Lord, whatever it is tonight, I pray right now in this moment that we could respond to your word, how you're speaking to us. God, that you would open us up to your spirit's voice and what you're leading us in. God, would you help us to be freed from self, to surrender that and to live a life of love to a lost and dying world the way that you loved us. Help us in that, we ask in Jesus' name.